this is Robin from DSO Connect. Today we are changing up our format a bit. It's just me without Casey, but I have the pleasure of interviewing a very special guest. Karen Clark is the owner of Karen Clark Dance Academy located in Victoria, British Columbia. Karen is a member of the DSO Connect community on Facebook, and I've been wanting to get to know her better for quite a while now. I feel like we have quite a lot in common, both of us being seasoned dance studio owners, and I thought it would be interesting to have her on the podcast to talk shop. Welcome, Karen. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So um, before we get started and dive in, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself to our listeners and also just give us a little background about your studio and um, how you came about being a studio owner. Well, my name is Karen Clark, and I have been a studio owner. I'm in my 42nd year of teaching. Started my first studio in Central Canada, in Winnipeg, actually, in 1978, then moved to the West Coast in 1988. So it's been 32 years here in Victoria, British Columbia. Our studio is a mix. We have a great, um, you know, tap, jazz, ballet, hip-hop, lyrical, contemporary, acro, musical theater. We have a competition team, but we also have lots of kids that dance just once or twice a week. And we try to keep both threads going because one thread feeds the other thread is what I've learned along the way. I enjoy what I do. I'm a mom. I have three grown children and I'm married. And dance is, uh, is a passion. I feel very blessed to do something that I love and make a living out of it. Yes, I, I totally relate to that. In fact, one of the things that I say to my team, you know, when I'm training them to work the front desk is every person that walks through that door, you need to genuinely appreciate the fact that they allow us to do this job. And I really feel that way. Every time I see one of my customers, I'm like, thank you for letting me live this life. You know, I yes. totally get that. If we can get a handle on um, what makes us crazy, for example, how we deal with certain parents, how we deal with our policies and procedures, if we can get a handle on all of that, it can be a really good life that you can make a living on. Yeah, absolutely. And we have so many... Um, advantages over a regular nine to five mom. We have a lot of flexibility. I know there are times when you're starting your studio that you feel like you're chained to your business. Um, but you and I have learned over the years how to maneuver that and make it work in our favor. And um, I would love to share some of those things with our listeners. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've you know, maybe the, the, the journey that was your children are young at the studio and then how you kind of transitioned yourself to having more independence. Absolutely. When my kids now are 25 and 30 and 33. So when they're babies, it's fantastic because you're home in the day and then out you go. And when my kids were little, I only taught three nights a week. One of the things that I had to learn along the way was... I'm not the only one that can do things at the studio. So when your kids start going into school, that's where it gets tough because you're home in the day by yourself, although you can volunteer at school and do things like that, drive for field trips, which is great. But in the evenings, you are at the studio. 
and I had a very supportive husband, still do, and he did a lot of signing the agenda, but I decided back then I want to be home at least three or four nights a week to put my kids to bed. I want to be the one tucking them in. I want to be there helping with homework. So that's when I started hiring people. And it's really tough because it was outside of my comfort zone. But I had met a senior dance teacher and I had asked her, what regrets do you have? You've had a studio for 40 years. What regrets? And she said to me, only one. I didn't put my kids first. And I tell you, I put mm -hmm. that in the bank and I never forgot it. And I can look back now. And even though it was uncomfortable for me, and sometimes, yes, I had to run back to the studio because maybe something happened once or twice. I can count on one hand when that did happen. I don't regret that time that I put my kids first and our family first because now my kids are all grown and they're all studio rats. They all dance, my girl and both my boys. Um, it, it's just... It's hard, though. It's easy to say now because I'm looking in hindsight, but you've got to sit down and say, these are my priorities, and you can't apologize to people. Obviously, you're going to be there when there's recitals in the first week of startup and, and the costume week, maybe when costumes go out and costumes fitting, but there's other times in there where you don't have to be there. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you said something interesting that um, you have to trust other people to do their jobs. Um, there are, I, what I've learned over my time being a studio owner is there are lots of people out there who can do things better than me. You know, I started off as a teacher and then I realized that I'm okay as a teacher, but there are a lot of people who are better teachers than me and want to spend all day working on their lesson plans and, you know, developing themselves as a teacher and becoming more knowledgeable in that regard. That's not how I want to spend my time. So if I hire the people who are passionate in that area, then my studio, you know, is better for it. Um, I was never a great choreographer. So clearly that was something easy for me to give up. Um, the front desk. I mean, I can sit at the front desk and, you know, create the systems, but I don't want to do the systems over and over and over and over again. I'm fine. Do it. You know, let's, let's work it out. Let's set it up. And once we get it all, you know, outlined out, let me give it to someone else and they can do it a hundred thousand times and I can move on to steering the ship. So yeah, that's totally, um, it's a great point. And I think that as business owners, we have to be willing to acknowledge that other people can do some things better than us. Yeah. So how did you actually become a studio owner? What, what happened in your life that gave, brought this opportunity to you? Well, when I was younger, I used to help my teacher and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. And when I finished school and I continued to dance, I thought, I think I might give this a try. I did have another job at the time. So I worked at another place, but a three evenings a week back in Winnipeg, I did run my studio out of two community clubs. So which is like a rec center, they hired me. But I even back then, they wanted to pay me per hour. And I said, No, I'll come and do it. But I'll collect the money. I will put the kids in the classes and I will pay you rent because smart. I don't know if I was smart or I was lucky, <laughs> 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 but, 
But, um, you know, at the time I met my husband very young, I was 16 and he was 18 and he was going through, he's a CPA and he was just in school and he had a mind like that. You know, you want to do, you want to think about your expenses. You want to think about, um, what's going to give you the most money in your jeans. So I, that's exactly what I did. And of course my program grew and grew and grew. And then when I left there and started here, because for me, I've started from zero twice. So I've had two goes at it. And starting again a second time after 10 years was kind of neat because I was in a brand new place and I knew what I liked and what I didn't like and started out again. So I, um, I was lucky to, to have the opportunity, but if I wasn't knocking at the door, the opportunity wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 get, I think we're soul sisters because so many things that you've said, I'm like, yes, I totally went through that too. I started my studio in 1992 in Baltimore and 10 years later, and, and it was a struggle because there's a lot of studios in Baltimore and a lot of the clientele that I was attracting um, maybe didn't have a lot of expendable income to put to after-school activities for their children. And um, so the rent was high. My my kids were little and the commute, uh, I was living in Pennsylvania and the commute 40 minutes into the city was just getting to me. So I thought I was going to close my studio and just be a PTA mom. And I, I did, I, I shut it down. Um, I actually sold it. And in my mind, I was going to just not be a dance studio owner anymore. So I signed up to go to a PTA meeting and I walked in and nobody cared (laughs) that I was there (laughs) and nobody looked at me and nobody listened to me. And I was like, don't you know who I am? I'm Miss Robin. And nobody gave a flying flip that about anything I had to say. And I was like, I don't know. My identity is pretty wrapped up in being Miss Robin. I don't know if I can do this. And my brain would not allow me to um, let it go. So I would be driving my kids around town. And every time I saw a for rent sign, I'd be pulling over, peeking in windows, calling realtors. And in my, you know, one side of my brain is saying, you're letting this go. You're not doing this. And the other side of my brain was just ignoring that voice, ignoring that voice. And then I did end up um, starting again. And like you said, I had the opportunity to have a clean slate. And there were so many mistakes that I had made. I mean, I was 22 when I started my business and most of my customers were older than me. And so here I am giving it a second shot and now I'm older. I'm now 32. So a lot of the new customers coming in are younger than me. Um, and I was, I just was positioned a little differently. And because I said, oh, you know, I've had an established studio in Baltimore. Here I am. Um, I guess they just believed in my credibility and they, you know, they paid their bills on time. The kids were in dress code. The kids had good attendance. It was like a miracle. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but second chance, a clean slate. And I think that it's important for our young studio owners to remember that the policies that you put into place, people are, go, are going to set the tone. So if you're a big softy and you don't believe in your policies, people are going to walk all over you. But when you say, this is it, this is how it goes, then, and you're consistent with that, 
then you're going to have much a much easier go at it. Yes, I 100% agree. In my uh, situation, I never use the word mandatory. I can't stand it. Although I do want everybody at the rehearsal, but I do not use that word because as soon as I use that word, then I have to back it up and make it happen. And I prefer to use words like you're expected to be there. And then, you know, if someone can't come, I look at it on an individual basis. I mean, what happened? Your grandfather passed away. No, you can be excused. Um, I never want to put myself in that situation because the fact is in the back room, there's not a whole squad that comes out that reinforces my policies. It's me. So I have mm -hmm. policies and I stand behind them, but I'm comfortable with them and I don't let them paint me into a corner. Because yeah, there's always that really parent that's going to challenge you. Yeah. And I even keep that in mind when I'm writing like the dance company contract or um, even employee contracts. I think the shorter and more brief they are, the better, because you don't want to paint yourself into a, con into a corner. Yeah. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where yeah, you I can't make a judgment about, about the one girl whose grandfather died. And then, you know, because you've said mandatory, well, her grandfather died and she wasn't there. Why did she not get kicked off the team? Yeah, exactly. Because then if you say mandatory and somebody does have something significant in their family happen, I mean, maybe they lose their cat, whatever it is, um, and you let that person slide, then you open up a can of worms. Mm -hmm. And people yeah. then, of course, don't have all the details, so they judge. So policies and procedures are very important. Having people pay their bills on time are very important. And it can be a simple, it's not pleasant to say, to make the phone call and say, um, you know, little Sally Sue will not be allowed in class today because we've had three warnings and I've sent you a registered letter and you still haven't paid. So please don't send her to class. And then you've got to go there and make sure she doesn't win the door. But if you do that once or twice and put in the effort, you won't do it very often. Because yeah. word of mouth is very powerful. Yeah. Um, we're at the point now at the studio where we're full every year, and we're really proud of that. We don't do a lot. We don't do any advertising. I put my advertising dollars into swag for the kids, you know, band-aid packages and things with our name on them and things that they can just have. But I, I often, you know, I try to go by. I I try to be honest. I try to listen to what people say. Treat people how they want to be how I want to be treated and I can say to somebody no you can't have your $32 registration feedback because yes I know your kid never got into line but you were to drop out before October 31st and now it's November 7th so too too bad so sad but you know back in the day it used to cost me $700 to take an ad in the paper and I never knew if anybody read it you can give somebody $37 back for their registration fee you can be darn sure they're going to be back at your door next year and the talking they're going to do in the meantime at the coffee clutches and in the community you can't buy that kind of advertising yeah that's true that's true so are you saying sometimes you would waive the registration fee if there's a, a conflict because of the word of mouth? Or are you saying don't waive the registration fee because you have to stick to your policies? I am saying when a little girl comes in and she's three and you're thinking, okay, here you go in the three-year-old class and the parent comes to you and says, look, she doesn't want to come anymore and dropout date was October 31st and now it's November 5th. 
I will give back that money because I can I do. I won't do it for a kid that is 10 or, or older, you know, or there's really not a cutoff age, but I look at it step by step, case by case, because I say, you know, normally we would keep this deposit. Normally you wouldn't get your costume deposit back. Normally, 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 but I will give it back because that is goodwill. That's how I would want to be treated. That's what makes an impression on your customer. Give them more than they expect and they'll do the advertising for you. Right. And it's important to also tell people, well, this is our policy, but we're making an exception for you because we understand your situation so that they do go out and share that part of the story because you know they're going to tell somebody. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, that, so um, what is your studio vibe all about? Are, do you have parents who are very uh, supportive and solution-oriented, the parents like to volunteer, or do you kind of keep the parents at a distance? Well, parents are always welcome because parents pay my salary. But I have people, I have five front desk staff, but they're all hired by me. They're not a parent. I'm not a barter person. I've been burnt in the past with that. You know, sometimes some will come and say, you know, I could do this or clean the studio and we have a studio life plan, it's called, where, you know, we're big enough studio now where if there's families that are having trouble, we can help them. But we, nobody gets free tuition or anything. They either pay some of tuition and they get help with shoes and costumes or vice versa. Nobody gets a free ride because I just find it doesn't work in, in my case. So, yes, yeah. the studio vibe, I think, is, is hopefully family friendly. I mean, that's what the dancers tell me, that they feel like they belong. It's not so much about coming and dancing. Yes, that's a big part of what we do, but it's teaching those life lessons, letting kids have a soft space to land. You know, they'll come in and they're teenagers and they've broken up with their boyfriend and, you know, they won't feel like dancing that night, but they'll sit and talk to me or they'll sit and talk to one of the office staff and we try to be there for them. They seem to know when work is work and you know, we, we, we want them to be committed, but they're all still people and they're teenagers, most of them, they're trying to make their way. And of course, little kids, you know, we fall in love with our littles. And I look mm -hmm. at our littles and think, hmm, who's going to be here in 10 years from now and who's not going to be so little too. anymore? Do you do that? <laughs> I do. Sometimes I'm looking and I'm like, hmm, which ones are going to, you know, remain yeah. in, the, in the strainer? <laughs> oh, you've got a nice so, point. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're going to be doing exam ballet one day. <laughs> right, right. We had our youth ballet performance yesterday, and um, so we have a youth ballet, which is a smaller group of kids that really just want to take everything to another level in terms of ballet. And, you know, at some point the parents' budget runs out. You know, they're already paying several hundred dollars for their regular, you know, tap jazz modern ballet package. Um, so we, we created a nonprofit and they do a, um, a ballet each year. And it's a small production, but we also allow uh, supporting cast so regular kids in the studio can audition for just little roles and that helps put butts in seats and um, also hopefully create some interest so that they will want to one day audition for the youth ballet. But anyway, one of the, um, the, I have a mom with two daughters, one is in the youth ballet and one was in the supporting cast. And the girl who's in the supporting cast 
um, has tried dance, didn't really like it. Now she's doing horseback riding. She's also, you know, jumping around to different activities, can't find the right one. And she wrote me this lovely email that I got this morning, basically saying, um, I wish we could bottle the secret sauce that you have created at your studio. My daughter, my non-dancing daughter, um, just loved being in the production, loved being backstage, loved that whole mentoring of the older girls to the younger girls. She just doesn't like to dance. I wish that we could take that culture and apply it to horseback riding or the karate studio or, you know, whatever activity is not dance. And I thought, that was such a lovely compliment. And as dance studio owners, we really do have this wonderful environment and we have this opportunity to make such a difference in these girls' lives. I mean, girls stay with us from three, Casey, who's in our DSO Connect um, founding group, she was my student at three years old. And now here today, we're working together as um you know, collaborators on this project. But my dance studio <laughs> made such an impact on her that she's, she's now a studio owner. And you know what I mean? Like we have such um, a, a magnificent influence on these kids and it is not to be taken lightly. It's, it's an awesome responsibility, I think. Yes, absolutely. And, and unlike a school teacher that might have them for a year or two, we have them for 15, 20. I have people dancing at my studio that are in their mid thirties. They're now part of my adults that started with me when they were three and they actually, wow. this weekend is our competition show for our competition team dances that will be starting competition next month. And they are a group of ladies that, you know, two of them are in the early stages of pregnancy. The other ones, several of them have children, but they're still out there competing at an adult level. And it's amazing. One of that is the reason that I do this job is these people grow up to be amazing people and you've had, I've had a tiny little part in that. And I am humbled by that. I am honored by it. I am privileged to do it. And when they get older and they come back and they talk to you, I, I know what my dance studio meant to me growing up, but when they come back and then they talk to you, it's pretty amazing. I have two girls back in Winnipeg that have studios now and another couple here that are teaching. And my assistant, I call her that, but she's a teacher at the studio that teaches with me on Wednesdays because I still teach the littles on Wednesdays. She was one of my dancers when she came in and she was five. You know, now she's 34 and it's amazing. Amazing. It is amazing. We're so blessed. Yeah. So tell me, what does a typical day in your life look like? How much time do you have to spend at your studio and how self-sufficient is the operation? Well, the operation is very self-sufficient, but there's certain times a year where I want to be there. For example, tomorrow night is what we call crew jam, where all the crews come together and they perform for each other. I will definitely be at crew jam. I will be at the show this weekend. I will be at the solo duo trio show the following weekend. I'm there the first couple of weeks in September when we start, and I'm certainly there at the end to say goodbye. I'm at all the shows and come out on stage and talk, and I'm around because I teach not every little kid in the studio, but the new ones coming in come through the Wednesday classes or Saturday. Saturday, I'm usually there working the desk, and I understand you do that as well, get to meet I do, I like people. 
Yes. And so when the time they've been with me for a couple of years on Wednesdays and they're moving out of that, I know them. I know their parents. And that's really, really helpful. So I do go there at certain times, but I don't have to be there. For example, tonight, I will be working in my home office preparing the programs. And I have the TV on. I'm, you know, my husband will be having dinner and kids will, my youngest son is still at home, will wander in and out. And those are the things that I really treasure. I live pretty close to my studio. It's about seven minutes away. So I can get there if needed. But I've got a strong staff and I'm always available by phone. I encourage them to call me. And, you know, a good studio software where you can um, log in and if people are taking payments, you're getting copies of the, the payments about how they're posted. All those things are really helpful. Those things didn't exist. I mean, when I first started teaching, we taught taking a record player with records. <laughs> and it was called a Bogan or a Caliphone, yes. And we, it could slow down or speed up. And it, um, it's changed a lot. And now with the automation that we have, I mean, we have studio cameras. I'm not on them very much, only when there's some sort of problem that needs to be solved. But, you know, you can click in and see what's going on if you want to. But I really do trust the people that are there. And uh, mm -hmm. I trust my faculty. I'm, you know, have faculty that have been with me for many years and some that are brand new. But you get a certain vibe when you talk to people and you know, I don't hire someone that I don't feel I'm not clicking with just right. to make it work. I try to, as you yeah. said, you hire people that are going to make you look good, that they can really <laughs> do the job because I can't do every job. And to sit and say, you know, this is how we're running things and we're full, that's all great, but I never believe my own press. I always try to keep working harder, trying, researching, how can we change that? How can we improve that? And that's what's really neat about the, avenue that we're in now with social media you know but when I wanted to advertise as a young teacher you made a poster and took it to the preschool and asked if you could pin it up you walked out you didn't know if it was up or down but now yeah. it's so much easier I feel it's easier maybe young people would say that's not true but I feel there's more avenues open for a lot less money than there was back oh, in the day yeah and you were saying before you know word of mouth works both ways and, um, you know, if we don't do our absolute best, most sincere work, um, you know, that word of mouth will travel. And it, with social media, it's like a, a megaphone for word of mouth. It's a, it's so, a, a catch-22. Um, you have to be able to believe in yourself enough because someone eventually will take after you on social media. And... Mm -hmm. It's happened to me a couple times, but I haven't let them away with it. I've gone right after them and responded right to them and laid out what my side of the story was. Because I have to believe that people are not stupid. You know, you didn't, you signed up for dance, but you didn't bring your child to over 50% of the classes and know you're not going to be in the aqua routine for the part that you didn't learn. Because we're not going to be lifting people and doing that when your kid hasn't been there to practice. That's safety. However, they take that as a sleight of hand. And, but I've gone, I've just, I've just been honest and posted. You know, it doesn't make me happy yeah. that you feel this way. This is what I saw. And I have found in both cases it shut it down really quick. Yeah, I think you're right. I've, got, I've had um, one or two Google reviews that 
you know, clearly someone had a bee in their bonnet and their experience at my studio is completely unusual than, you know, the hundreds of people that love it. There's, you know, the one person who's disgruntled and she goes on Google and writes a, a negative review. And I do, I, I, I reply in a way that makes me look like the sane one, hopefully. <laughs> and I try to say, I hear what you're saying about this. And I actually reached out to you to discuss it. And I'm sorry that you, you know, didn't want to discuss it with me, but you know, here are the reasons that this happened. And you know, you don't have to get into like throwing mud, but just to lay out your thing, because as a consumer, sometimes I'll look at restaurant reviews and there's always, you know, a lot of times people who write reviews are the people who are mad. And you know, if you, how many times have you gone to a restaurant, had a lovely time and you didn't write a review, but it's when something goes wrong that people are um, inspired to get on 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 their phone and and complain. So, but when I see that the owner has responded in a sensible way, um, it makes me feel at ease and kind of lets me as a consumer dismiss the complaint. And I'm pretty likely to give the restaurant a try if the if I've seen that the owner has a sensible or the manager has a sensible response. Yeah. But the first couple of times that that happens to you as a studio owner, it's devastating. Like you lose sleep over it. Your feelings are so hurt. <laughs> yes. And when you're, in, when you're a studio owner, and even with us seasoned ones, we're different than the person that owns the grocery store at the corner and you go in and buy milk and bread, you walk in, you walk out. You don't ever really know the owner. With us, we get entwined in these families. And we have to remember that they are clients. They are people that come to us for a service and they pay for the service. I am always reminding myself to separate what I call church and state as to mm -hmm. these are people. Yes. If, when they're done from the studio and they're gone and, and Sally's mother wants to have dinner with me, I'll go do that, but not during, not during because there might oh, be really? a time where, you know, so-and-so wants a solo. No, I'm sorry. You can't have a solo. And all of a sudden now you're friends and that's a big problem because mm -hmm. people leave for all sorts of reasons. And I don't know if I just never think it's my fault. Although sometimes I think I could have done things better, but we can only do what we can do with what we're offering. Sometimes the studio is not a good fit and that's okay. It's okay to say, let me help you find a place that fits you better yeah. and find them a place, help them because it's too exhausting. We all only have so long life and it's too exhausting to be fighting all the time. Yeah, that's true. You know, at one of our first retreats, um, uh, the DSO Connect ladies and myself were riding on the golf cart in Virginia Beach and we, you know, we were laughing hysterically and then also talking um, getting to know each other and talking about our studios. And I think it was Tammy who said, um, if you pay them or if they pay you, they're not really your friends. And it was like somebody threw a glass of water in my face. I was like, oh my God, I don't think I have any friends. <laughs> because <Yeah>. everyone <laughs> in my life who I consider my friend is either on my staff or a parent. And I live in a very small town. Um, but that really stuck with me in my head. And it actually um, caused me to, I, I did some reflecting and I thought, you know what, I, it's, I need to 
cultivate relationships with people that are outside the studio. So of course my DSO connect ladies and all the new DSO um, ladies that I'm uh, meeting through this community are friends or at various levels, but also it, it helped me. It motivated me to reach out to some people that I went to high school with that I just kind of lost touch with and you know, cultivate old relationships that had kind of dried up. And, you know, there's no ulterior motive in those relationships. You know, it's just, you know, there's no ulterior motive. It's nice to have someone to talk to that's not involved studio wise when things do go slightly sideways because they're just listening. And it was one of the hardest lessons I learned. And it took me a while to learn it. I mean, now, if I had that happen, I would go on to Dance Studio Connect and I would say this happened and I would get advice from people that had been down the track. Back then, you had to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't talk to your teachers about another teacher problem and you can't talk to your customers about a customer problem or a teacher problem. So, you know, there's only so much your husband can hear. Before he's like, (laughs) I think my husband's heard it all. And he still kind of just looks at me. And sometimes I'm thinking, are you still breathing? Or are you just getting tired of hearing this? I don't know. You know what? Most of the time I try to remember one of the things I've done for the last little while that helps me is I keep notes. It's just a timeline and it's really quick. If something happens in a day, it would be um, handed out costumes issue with, shoes, um, issue with so-and-so, first name is enough to bring it back to my mind. And then I can look back and I think, okay, that was really a bad day, but that passed. That was not a very good day, but that passed. Um, We look back in January and February, which I think are super hard months in dance studios around North America. I mean, maybe not in Florida when it's sunny and bright out, but here in the West of the North, you know, it's cold, it's rainy, Christmas is a long way off, spring break is a long way off, and it's dark early, and people are tired, and kids mm-hmm. are tired, and everybody, there's no costumes around the studio to make yeah. it look exciting, you know, mm-hmm. and it's hard, they're too hard, they're eight weeks of toughness to get through, but once yeah, you get through true. that time, every year, you've got the costumes coming out, you've got the performances coming up, everybody's excited, spring is coming, and you know, and then all of a sudden, yeah, it, it's good. And it took me a while of keeping my little notes to realize that was a pattern. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a really nice idea. A nice little tool. It does put things into perspective. I have a file that I put, like if I have a dramatic email thread, like I'm working something dramatic out with someone, I'll print it out and stick it in this file. And every once in a while, I open the file and the things that seemed so devastating 10 years ago, it was like, I don't even know this person anymore. But you know what's even better than that is my happy box, which is where I put all the, the notes. If someone sends me an, a lovely email, I will print it out and put it in this box. And I've got a couple pr- real pretty 
um, floral hat boxes in my office. And it's literally, everyone knows it's Miss Robin's happy box. And I, sometimes you just need to open the happy box and sift through some love letters from little girls or a really well-crafted and thoughtful letter from a mom or a dad. Gosh, when a dad sits down to write you an email or a letter saying how grateful he is for this opportunity um, you know, that he had to dance with his daughter on stage and, and do what, what means the most to her because she never wanted to do softball and didn't know how to connect with her. And I mean, those are the letters that make everything that we do. Um, so it, it reminds us of how important those things are. And we can forget when we get in the muck. Yeah. And we have to remember that, you know, you'll have a show and you'll come home and you'll think, wow, that went off and you'll get one email complaining about they didn't like the costume or something. And that undermines a whole year's mm -hmm. worth of work. And you can't let that happen. Just because they say yeah. it doesn't mean it's true. You can, you can evaluate it. But you deserve to bask in the morning and in the glory. I don't check my emails till after 11 in the morning, and I don't check them after 9 at night. You mean on, the, on a daily basis yeah, or just around the performance? No, that's my yeah, rule. That's a good daily, rule. Daily basis. What I do, and I actually put this in my recital packet, um, after, first of all, do not come at me during recital weekend about anything dramatic. I've got a whole crew of people like – class moms, head class moms, that you can address your ridiculous concerns to. And so it, it's, I don't hear any rumblings during production, during the recital weekend. As far as I'm concerned, everyone is happy as a clam. If you have some constructive criticism for me after the show, do not email me the day after the show because I want to, that's my day to bask, like as you said, bask in the glow. I will read positive emails and I, I even tell people and I, I'm, I'm saying it like half um, half joking but I'm very serious you know uh, my dad comes to my recitals every spring and he's you know almost 75 and he has a point of coming and sitting with me in the audience and the day after we eat Maryland crabs because that's his favorite and we keep checking my email and the Facebook. And every time I get a lovely comment, I'll read it to him. And he'll say, check your phone, Robbie. What, what, read them to me. Read them to me, Robbie. And I'll read them. I'll read the glowing reviews. And he gets so proud. And he, um, he'll talk things through with me and everything. But if somebody dared to burst that bubble with a negative email on that day, I, I just don't know if they, they would be invited back. <laughs> so but but I, I just let people know. I love the way that you've set your boundaries. So a lot of this is about setting boundaries and letting people know the expectation. And mm -hmm. I think for me, um, you know, not checking them, I won't even check emails the next day. I wait till Monday. But I think what you've done is, is beautiful. I love that, that you're spending that with your dad. I love that he's sharing in that. And that's beautiful. I actually might take a page out of that book. If you've got a comment, then please save it till... Monday. Yeah. yeah. And you can invite the beautiful comments. It's just, if you've got, a, if you're going to complain that the person in front of you had a big hat on and you couldn't see your daughter on the stage, save that till Tuesday or whatever. Yeah. Um, but further on a different note, but also in terms of um, setting boundaries, I also have a policy where I will meet with, I have an open door policy on my, 
at my in my office. I will meet with any parent at any time during the year um, to discuss your child's placement, your child's progress. We do evaluations and goals meetings throughout the year. I will have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with you, except for 60 days after auditions. I will not talk to you about anything after auditions because if you really want to know why your daughter didn't get placed in the company that she thought she was going to get placed in, talking about it 60 days after auditions is not going to help. You should have been worried about that in February. You should have been worried about that beforehand, not complaining to me afterward. So the reason that your child didn't get the placement she was looking for was because she's not ready. That's the answer. And what does she need to work on? The things that her teacher tells her in class. <laughs> so what do we yeah. need to talk about? But I will talk to you on day 61. And by then, you, your daughter probably realizes that she's, she's right where she needs to be. And it yeah. blows over. Yeah, so. I think but that's yeah, you're brilliant. Right. In, in, on my stuff, it says that it is never appropriate to question placement. Because the fact yeah. is, is unless they sit in my shoes and see the whole picture, I can never explain it to their satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It's not black and white. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. and again, I, I, do, I do talk to them through the year. I, I have a, an open door policy as well, but I can't fix that. If they're not ready, they're not ready. Right. And it's okay. It's not a punishment. It's right. not, it's, your, your child is not punished. She's just not ready. So um, let's talk a little bit about money um, in a general sense. Are there any things that you put into place early on that you are grateful for now that really kind of were good financial decisions that put you or kept you on firm footing that you would advise our young studio owners to, to try to do? Well, in the beginning, I didn't start with a studio with mirrors and bars and all the bells and whistles. I had halls that I rented, and I think that was really smart because by the time I opened my studio, I had a following, and I could afford it. Ten years ago, I bought my building, and I think that was really good because when I do decide to make my way out, I will sell the business. You know, my, my sister's really involved. My daughter is involved. My, my sons, I don't know who's going to want it, but... I would keep the building and that they would pay me rent and that would be some income for me. I think one of the other things I did that was smart was very early on, I really made my policies clear in my mind because they felt good to me. I felt I could put my head on the pillow at night with these policies and I haven't changed them too much over the years. You know, you have to add in different things or tweak it somewhat, but not, not a whole overhaul. And that has served me well because people know what to expect and they feel comfortable in that. And I've always been in the mindset, if the studio doesn't work for you, let's help you move along. Cause yeah. I'm not going to change. I work for myself yeah. for a reason and I'm not going to change. You might like me to do this or that, but then you need to open your own studio because I'm not going to do it that way. Yeah. And what about, your, really what about yourself, point. Robin? What have you done? So 
I started this a couple years ago and I wish I would have done it earlier, but I have a, when I got to a point where I needed a financial advisor, um, I, I, you know, I'm trusting him with my whole retirement account. So I might as, you know, you got to pick somebody that you trust with, you know, with your money. So I, I said to him, you know what, I need to start putting some money away that's not in my retirement account, but just, you know, in a savings account that we can invest and, but it needs to be locked away from me. Because when you're the, when you're the owner of the business, and you don't have to be accountable to another person to spend your money, sometimes you can spend too freely. And especially when you can justify the spending with, um, well, we need, we need a new Marley or, well, we need to remodel the, the parent lounge. And I mean, there's so many things. And when you love your business, you get pleasure from spending money on your business and you can get carried away. <laughs> I also like restaurants and I like to take my staff out to restaurants and, you know, staff meeting, you know, at the restaurant and, you know, $200 later or $400 later, you know, oh, it's a business expense. It's easy to justify. So what I needed to do was start locking away some of my profit off the top and putting it in a place where I couldn't easily access it. So um, every month my financial advisor you know, takes a nice chunk of money. As soon as the tuition drops, a chunk goes away. And I told him, I said, um, if I ask you for this money, I want you to frown at me and look disapprovingly at me. And ask me what it's for. And he said, all right, well, tell me what reasons I should give it to you. Now, of course, he's going to give it to me. It's my money. But I just needed someone to like wag their finger at me and be like, mm, do you really need? And I gave him permission to kind of, you know, hold me accountable a little bit for it. And just, and he's never had to, but just knowing that if I want that money, it's more than just me privately going on my computer and making a little transfer that nobody knows about. I now have to speak to a person and, look at you know it just worked for me so i wish i would have done that a long time ago and some people might be super disciplined yeah some people might be completely much more disciplined than i am and um maybe that's not an issue but the point is take your profit first off the top tuck it away in a place you don't see and when you have a bad day just open the account online and look at the number and feel good <laughs> <laughs> But also, uh, owning your own building is definitely a good financial move for studio owners. And it might not be um, what you can do right away, but if there is a way for you to own real estate, um, and there are lots of creative ways to do that, you don't have, you know, people might say, well, how in the heck am I going to do that? You know, I'm barely getting by with my bills as it is. You know, just maybe the money that you stash away every month is for a down payment on some property. Or maybe there's a landlord who is willing to do some creative financing because they really want to get out from under a building. So keep your mind open to the idea of owning real estate because like you were saying earlier, when we decide that we are done in this chapter, it, it, it's, nice. it would be, it's, it's a nice stream of income for later on. Yeah. So 
what do you think your life looks like ideally 10 years from now? Do you have I any think idea? I'll probably, I think I will, I plan barring any unforeseen circumstances that I would still be doing what I'm doing. Maybe let's call it, I will be delegating from a warmer destination during the winter months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know. me too. In fact, we just bought um, a house in Florida a couple months ago. And this winter, we're back and forth. And then next winter, when my son, my youngest son is in college, my husband and I plan to, like you said, be running my business from from my lanai. And actually, this happened on Saturday. I, I was completely unaware. But one of my teachers let me know that there was some buzz around the studio. Some um, of the dancers were very concerned that I'm leaving because they knew I bought a house in Florida. And they are, you know, how girls are. And there was some tears, you know, she doesn't love us. She's abandoning us, all that. And these are teenagers. It's like they're the most dramatic sometimes. So I realized that I need to address um, my studio families and just let them know that I am more excited about my business now than I have ever been. And just because I'm not there physically doesn't mean I'm not there in spirit and everything they're doing, I planned it or I'm getting a, a, a recap on it. Or, you know, like you said, I'll be at the performances. You're just going to um, go extended holiday. I'm, right. Exactly. And I am, especially with technology nowadays, I can see them dancing on the, the video monitors. We can do Zoom calls. I can, I'm totally not, they're not even going to really know unless they see me posting on Facebook that I'm in Florida. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important that we let our families know if we're, you know, as we're easing out that our, you know, we're not abandoning ship. However, I also do know that I've been doing this little at a time, you know, because like you said, you're only there twice a week. I'm only there once or twice a week. So they kind of, they're not used to me being there all the time. That would be different if I was there every single day, all the time for every single event. And then all of a sudden I wasn't. So the families that are coming in next year aren't going to know any different than Miss Robbins in Florida in the winter. And as time goes by, it just becomes the new norm. So just remember that your, your families are shedding off at the top and um, the new families won't know for, for any different. So, well, we've been chatting it up for almost an hour. I guess we should maybe wrap it up. Is there any, oh, before we go, will you talk about that HELP acronym? Oh, that yes. you talked about um, the other day? That was yes, so good. Yes. I'm trying to think about what um, H is for um, H E L P. H is for honest. I try always to be honest. E is for the experience. I want to do the job I say that I'm going to do and that, that they have a good experience, but the experience doesn't stop with just dance. It's got to be the whole child. For example, yes, they might get in trouble for not being in their ballet attire. We're not going to take them outside and be mean to them, but we're going to say you have to wear it. Um, P is for people. Treat people how, no, L, L is next, H-E-L-P. L is next for listening. I do my very best when people are talking to me to listen to what they're saying, not be planning in my head my rebuttal. 
And it's really been something that I've had to work on and learn. And because of that, sometimes I need to say to them, I hear you. I've taken notes on what you've said, and I will get back to you tomorrow. Give myself some time to think it out. And P is people. Treat people that golden rule how I want to be treated above and beyond what they would expect. You know, we had um, Jack, everybody ordered jackets this year for the competition team. And one of them came with this little small dot on it. It's not something that I would have ever complained about, but this mother brought it in. And I said, you know what, that no, it's not right. And she said, well, don't worry about it. I just wanted you to see it. And I said, well, you know what? I said, we're going to give you that. You, you keep the jacket, but we'll give you back the $87. And she was happier than a clam. And, you know, it's not, again, something that I would have done when I was returning my kid's jacket, but it made her very happy. And she didn't expect that. You know, I had a class last year where they didn't get their costume till just before recital. Out of no fault of any of ours, we order our costumes in November. But there was 21 kids in that tap class, and all 21 of them got a refund. Now, I understand I'm a bigger right. studio, and I can, I can afford to do that. But that told those parents, I take this seriously that I'm handing you a costume a week before dress rehearsal. And we don't like this, how it's gone down. It was out of my hands, but this is what I can do to make you realize. And, you know, every one of those kids came back. Nobody complained about it. Everybody was great. So, and I felt right in my heart doing that. So those things are important yes. to me. Yeah. Well, that was beautiful. I'm glad we ended on that note. It was so nice to talk to you. I feel like I've been wanting to get to know you. Um, for a couple months now just through our casual interactions in the group um, and I'm really glad we got to sit and talk I and am too well. maybe we'll maybe we'll see you at the retreat I know that you would prefer to be on your boat <laughs> in the summer months but if if it works out we would love to see you there and we can drink wine together and share our sage advice with the other studio owners that are going to join us now, when are the dates of the retreat again? Okay, it is July 10th, 11th, and 12th, and it's in Niagara Falls on the Canadian side. And on Friday, everyone arrives at, we've rented this big, beautiful home with a tennis court and a pool. I'm pretty sure it has a tennis court. Not that we're going to have any time to play tennis, but the house will be beautiful and very comfortable and um, we will get to know each other a little bit in the afternoon. I'm sure that we'll be cracking open the wine right away just to make sure that everyone is at ease and feeling, you know, in a festive mood. And we've got a couple of presentations planned for Friday. Also, my husband, Walter, and Amanda's husband, um, it will be uh, in charge of the food. And the, his name is Adam. It slipped my mind for a half a second. Adam is going they're going to be cooking us delicious homemade food and serving us so that we don't have to stop our studio owner talk in order to cook food for ourselves then you know we'll just exchange um ideas and stories about our studios on saturday we're going to go to amanda's studio and all day long there'll be teacher seminars so if any studio owners would like to bring their teachers they would stay in a nearby hotel 
um, not in the studio owner house with us, um, but the teachers are welcome to join us on um, Saturday for all the, the presentations. And then we'll have a pool party back at the house and the teachers are welcome to join us. Then on Sunday morning, we'll have another studio owner business presentation and then we'll do implementation. So have you ever been to a conference where you feel like you have so many ideas and then you go home and you think, I can't wait to dive in and do all these things, but then your husband left dishes in the sink and the litter box needs to be changed and there's laundry and there's 200 emails and you, then next thing you know, you're back into life and you never got anything done. So we are going to do implementation sessions on Sunday so that people will actually leave having things checked off their list. So the last two, couple times that we did this, it was just um, so much fun and so much bonding and really sad at the end when we had to leave. Like people were legitimately like, I don't want to go. <laughs> so anyway, if anyone's interested in the retreat, um, you can get more information on our website, Dance Studio Owner Connect. Dot com and um, I think the deposits are due soon, like now. So um, we can only take 12 studio owners. Everyone gets their own bed. Um, some people may share a room, but everyone gets their own bed unless you bring your right-hand man and you want a discount on your right-hand man and then you might want to share a bed if you're close like that. Um, but the reason we don't have our teachers, the teachers stay in the house is just because we want to be able to speak freely about studio owner business and not have to worry about, you know, like if we're talking about money, you probably don't want your teachers to be in on that conversation. So thanks for asking, giving me that little segue to, to talk about the, the retreat. <laughs> well, it was lovely to talk to you, Karen. I hope you have a great week and um, we will see you in the group. Thank you so much for the opportunity.